Welcome to Horticulture Hangover on News Radio KLBJ. You're in the right place to get answers to all of your questions about your lawn, garden, trees, and more. Now, here's your host, Colleen Dieter. Good morning, everyone. This is Colleen Dieter on the Horticulture Hangover show. And I'm a landscape consultant at atxgardens.com, atxgardens.com. And uh, I'm thinking about trees today. Uh, It's a great time for tree planting. Um, I'm a certified arborist, so I can answer your tree questions. Call me at 512-836-0590. Or text me at that number, too. It's 512-836-0590. Again, this is Colleen Dieter, the Horticulture Hangover Show, and I'm a landscape consultant at atxgardens.com. And um, if you visit atxgardens.com and click on Shop, You'll see some things I have for sale there, including a fruit tree calendar. And this is a a calendar that's downloadable and will automatically populate your calendar that you have on your phone or your computer or your device and uh, give you reminders of when to prune your fruit trees, um, when to spray them for bugs and... uh, everything that you need to do for your fruit trees. So check that out. It's on sale now. Makes a good Christmas gift at atxgardens.com and then click on shop. And uh, yeah, I'm getting ready. I'm watching my uh, plum trees right now are starting to lose their leaves for the winter. They're starting to go dormant. And after they go dormant, Uh, It'll be time to start thinking about how I'm going to prune them this winter, what shape I want them to have. And one of my plum trees uh, had kind of a bad shape. It had two stems coming up together, um, like co-dominant stems, it's called, where there's two branches growing up instead of one trunk. And... um, one of the branches fell off uh, this fall. So I'm thinking about how I'm going to correct that on my little plum tree. And that plum variety is called Beauty. And it made a couple of plums this year. I just planted them a few years ago, so they haven't made a lot of fruit yet. But I'm hoping this year, um, 2024, will be the fruit year for my plum trees. I planted them in 2020. So looking forward to getting some fruit. And uh, yeah, let me know if you have any fruit tree questions. 512-836-0590. You can call or text. And two weeks ago, I was on vacation last week. And two weeks ago, so we played a repeat of my show last week, but two weeks ago, I had a couple of folks text in photos of a mystery uh, wildflower that they had seen. And 
it was a fun coincidence because I had also seen that plant and didn't know what it was. I saw it growing um, out at Vista Brewing with my friend Leah, who we have the Horticulturati podcast together. She's the co-host with me of our podcast, the Horticulturati. And we were out at Vista Brewing for a, a mushroom event, and we saw the same wildflower out there. Um, and I think I finally put it together what it is. It's called Trailing Four O'Clocks. It has fuchsia flowers, small fuchsia flowers. Uh, trailing Four O'Clocks, the botanical name, I think, is Alleonia incarnata. Alleonia incarnata. And... Um, there are other species of Alleonias that I saw listed on the Wildflower Center, Lady Bird Johnson Wildflower Center website. Um, and so it could be a different type of Alleonia, but I'm pretty sure it's that one, Alleonia incarnata. And uh, Leah helped me identify it. So for those of you who were asking about that a couple of weeks ago, Check out Alleonia Incarnata Trailing Four O'Clocks. Delightful. And looks like I've got a text message here. It says, good morning, Colleen. Good morning. Um, and they go on to say, is this a good time to put seaweed on perennial plants slash fruit trees, gardenias, etc. as we hit the cold? Thanks. Yes. The answer is yes, this is a great time to do some seaweed treatments on your plants. Um, and yeah, I think uh, we might be getting our first freeze on Sunday night into morning, uh, Monday morning. Um, this coming Sunday night, Monday morning, we may get our first freeze in town. So yeah, it's a great time to... Uh, treat the plants with seaweed. Um, seaweed is a good way to help the plants through stressful times when there's big weather changes like that. Um, it can provide them with some hormones and minerals that they need to deal with stress. Um, the most important thing y'all can do and that I'm planning to do when I go home today is to water the plants um, it's been kind of dry lately. We haven't had much rain and, uh, the plants will do better through freezing weather if they are given a drink of water, um, because then they'll be ready for the cold. Uh, they'll be able to gather up the nutrients and minerals that they need. And the other thing is if, tr if a plant is fully hydrated, um, it's going to be less likely to freeze, um, just like if you were making ice cubes in an ice cube tray and you filled it just halfway full, it would freeze faster than if you filled it all the way up. So if the plant is fully hydrated, then um, you'll, you'll have better luck with freezing weather. Um, get ready if you have sensitive plants like citrus 
or I know a couple of weeks ago, someone wrote in about their banana plants. Um, if you have citrus plants in pots, um, bougainvilleas, bananas, tropical plants in pots that are outdoors, you'll want to get ready to move them indoors. And it's just going to be the one night, just Sunday, Sunday night and Monday morning where you'll need to move them indoors. If you have citrus or tropical plants that are in the ground, um, you may want to cover them. Don't use plastic. Make sure you use fabric. Um, And that's it. Make sure they're watered and covered. And most of our plants, you know, the native plants and well-adapted plants, uh, the tops of the plants may die, but they should be root hardy, so they'll grow back in the spring. Okay, so things like lantanas. Um, let's see what else. Uh, plumbagos. Um, your yellow bells, pride of Barbados. Those types of plants, the tops of the plants will die, but they'll grow back from the roots in the spring. That includes a lot of the salvias, things like um, Amistad, sage, uh, stuff like that. So you don't have to cover them. Um, you'll just see on Monday morning that the tops might will look kind of crunchy or wilted, and that's okay. That's normal. And we'll talk more about that next week. And I've got a good, another text message here. It says, my young Santa Rosa plum had about 10 plums on it last year. And it went crazy this year. It was loaded. But it was also attacked by ants and the occasional bird. Yeah, that's all true with fruit trees. And one thing that I'm going to try this year, um, I'm going to use something I'm going to use something called orchard socks um, where you can uh, cover each fruit with a little mesh bag to protect it from insects and birds. Um, I'm going to try that because, you know, I just have three trees and how many plums can I eat really? But I want to make sure that we get some. So I'm going to cover them with some little bags. I've also heard that you can use like a um, little socks that you would use to try on shoes. Um, Like if you go to the shoe store and you don't have socks on and they give you the little like pantyhose kind of socks, um, you can use that to cover the fruit too Um, and attach it to the fruit and then That'll protect it from bugs and birds. So I'm looking forward to trying that this year. Uh, As soon as the flowers drop off, you can cover the little tiny fruits. Or even sometimes people will cut pieces of mesh and cover an entire long branch with that mesh. It's called micro mesh. Um, And they'll cover the whole branch with it. When the flower, right when the flowers first drop and the fruit is just starting to produce, and that will protect it from the uh, plum curculio. 
So we're going to go to commercial and I'll answer more of your questions after that. This is Horticulture Hangover with Colleen Dieter. Call or text your lawn and garden questions to 512-836-0590. Hi, everybody. Good morning. This is Colleen Dieter with the Horticulture Hangover Show. I'm a landscape consultant at atxgardens.com. And uh, I've got a text message here, and you can text me or call me with your gardening questions at 512-836-0590. And someone else texted and said, good morning. I appreciate your weekly advice. I'm in Pflugerville, Blackland Prairie Soil. Um, Best choice of variety of fruit trees to be planted especially peach, pear, apple, and fig. Thank you so much. Okay, um, so for figs, uh, brown turkey, or Texas Everbearing are, is the best one, um, best flavor. They produce the most fruit, uh, very durable. Look for brown turkey. I think... Also known as uh, Texas Everbearing. Okay. They might be different. Uh, But I thought those names were used interchangeably. Okay. Now with apples, you need two trees. And they need to be different varieties so they can pollinate each other. Otherwise, you won't get fruit. Okay. So I like if you're in town... Ein Schemmer and Anna. Those two will pollinate each other. Ein Schemmer and Anna. Okay. Uh, Gala is also a good one. And uh, Golden Delicious. If you're outside of town, Gala and Golden Delicious, I believe, will um, pollinate each other. But y'all should double check me for sure and check the Texas A&M info because there'll be different varieties for different parts of Texas. So you're not if you're not here in Austin, you'll need different varieties. So it's a little tricky. And Texas A&M has a really good, really good information and maps so that you can determine which varieties to get. Okay, for pears, I love Ayers and Moonglow, and those two will pollinate each other too. So for pears, you need two trees as well. Okay, for apples and pears, you got to have two trees that are different varieties so they can pollinate each other. Okay, so uh, for pears, Moonglow and Ayers, I believe it's A-Y-E-R-S, Moonglow and Ayers for pears. Very good, delicious pears and pretty reliable producers. Okay, and then moving on to peaches. Now, peaches are self-fertile, okay? So they can pollinate themselves. They don't need a partner. But if you get more than one tree, uh, 
you'll be more likely to get more fruit. Okay, so having more than one tree, they can pollinate each other and you'll get more fruit, but it's not necessary. You can have just one peach tree and still get fruit. Okay, and um, for peaches, I really like, if you're in Austin, La Feliciana. Um, that one's been very reliable producer, kind of no matter what the weather. Um, they bloom really early, but even last year we had a late freeze and the blooms were fine and those trees still made fruit. So La Feliciana is a good one. You can't go wrong with June Gold. That's kind of the standard. Um, most people really like June Gold. Uh, so those are two really good ones, June Gold and La Feliciana. And with peaches, you can get, if you get the different varieties, they produce a little, some produce a little earlier, some produce a, re- a little later. So you could even map it out if you wanted to, to make sure that you had fruit for a longer period of time. So like if you had La Feliciana, it's going to make fruit earlier. Um, and then if you got June Gold, it'll make the fruit a little later. So then you'll have a longer period of harvesting peaches, which can be fun. So check that out. It's complicated. The fruit trees are complicated. Um, so I really recommend um, checking out Texas A&M websites uh, to verify, you know, the, the good varieties of fruit trees for your specific area because I know that we have listeners all over Texas. And I've got another question over text here. Thanks for the text messages, y'all. Keep them coming. And they say, what variety of nectarine would you recommend? And what online nursery would you recommend? And this is from Paul in Southwest Austin. Okay, nectarines can be a little hard to come by. I don't have a ton of experience with nectarines, but I really love eating nectarines and I'm hoping that I can I want to graft some nectarine uh, wood onto my peach trees in my yard so that I could have some nectarines but my understanding from listening to uh, Larry Stein at A&M talk about it is that nectarines are hard to grow in Texas because of the humidity here they have a tendency to rot on the tree but I'm going to try anyway, and there's one called Pocahontas. Um, that's the only one that I have experience with, and I believe for online nurseries, um, Womack Nursery and Leg Creek are the two that I really love. Womack Nursery and Leg Creek are wonderful sources. And one cool thing about Womack Nursery is they have – rootstock that's adapted to the soils around here, the alkaline soils, and it's called Halford. So you can call them up and ask for a nectarine that's on Halford rootstock. That's good for peaches too um, because it's adapted to alkaline soils. So sometimes we get problems with the fruit trees with their leaves being yellow all the time. It's because of the alkaline soils. So the Halford rootstock is really great from... uh, from Womack Nursery. All right, y'all, and we're going to 
go to a break and I'll answer more of your questions when we come back. Welcome to Horticulture Hangover on News Radio KLBJ. You're in the right place to get answers to all of your questions about your lawn, garden, trees, and more. Now, here's your host, Colleen Dieter. Good morning, gardeners. This is Colleen Dieter on the Horticulture Hangover Show. And I'm a landscape consultant at atxgardens.com. And we've got a caller. This is Mike in Georgetown. Hi, Mike. You're on the air. Thanks for calling answering my call. Uh, I It's going to freeze, and I have one cherry tomato. My son go It's loaded, and I, I pick the green ones off. If I put them up in a, in a pail or something, will they ripen? Yes, they can. Uh, what I recommend is putting them in a big paper bag with an apple. So get an apple and put it in there because the the apple um, excretes uh, ethylene gas, and it's the ethylene gas that helps fruit ripen. So that'll the whole apple. Yep, put the whole apple in there in a paper bag with the green tomatoes. And uh, I've got a bunch of them, and I pick what was ripe, and I keep picking every day, but. It was loaded, so I, I pulled everything up, you know, the one I had. Yeah. But I wanted to try to save them. Yeah, yeah. Some of them, if they're really hard, they might not ripen, but the ones that are softer and closer to uh, ripening, they'll they'll ripen with the tomato in there. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks the, for telling me that. I, I've never tried the apple. Now, I have yeah. pulled them on the vine and stuck them up in my storeroom when I lived in Pflugerville. Uh-huh. And they did ripen, and it just hung up like tobacco stems, you know. Oh, neat. Okay. It worked. It worked. I couldn't believe it. I pulled the root and all and just hung it like a like you would do the uh, tobacco. Oh, that's really cool. Okay, that's good yeah. to know. Yeah, yeah. Well, it worked. It worked. Okay. All right, good. Yeah, if you don't have room to hang a whole plant up. Uh, no, I don't. I'm yeah. living here and downsized yeah. quite a bit. Yeah, good for you. Uh you can put them, yeah, like I said, in the paper bag with an apple and okay. see how they well, do, Okay, thanks Mike. for telling me that. Sure. I'm going to try that. All right, call me back and let me know if it works. I will. Okay. You have a good day. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for calling. Yep, it's that time, y'all, uh, to transition the fall garden to the winter garden. So you, if you have vegetables right now, um, like tomatoes, they're They're going to die on Sunday night, Monday morning, when we get our first freeze. And that reminds me, I have a basil plant uh, that I need to harvest. So I think there's some pesto in my future. Uh, I'll be making pesto this weekend because I know my basil plant will die on Sunday night. So I'm going to go ahead and harvest all the basil and... uh, We'll be ready with some pasta here coming up in the next couple weeks. We'll put the, my husband and I will make the pesto and put it in the freezer and it'll be great. Um, So yeah, start thinking about that. The hot weather, warm weather plants are all going to die on Sunday night. And um, if you've got, you know, broccoli, lettuce, 
that kind of stuff, all the cruciferous vegetables, you know, cabbages, that kind of thing, they'll be all right. Um, you may want to cover them, and I'm sure Jeff will talk about this more in the next hour. Um, you may want to cover them with some fabric on Sunday night to protect them from cold damage. They won't die, uh, but they can get damaged. So you may want to you know, put a blanket over them. Make sure they're watered. Make sure you water the vegetable garden on this weekend uh, before the cold comes on Sunday night. And so that all those plants are fully hydrated, they'll be less likely to get cold damage. And then, yeah, you could throw some row cover fabric over them or a blanket. Don't use plastic. Uh, can make things colder if the plant leaves are touching them. But if you've got things like cilantro, parsley, all the cool season vegetables, Cool season vegetables and herbs, you know, chard, beets, carrots, all the stuff that we love to grow around here in the winter. You'll want to just water that and cover. But if you've still got tomatoes, basil, eggplants, squash, uh, zucchinis, you know, that kind of thing hanging on, all those warm season plants are going to die on Sunday night. So go ahead and just harvest all that stuff. You can pull out the plants, you know, put them in your compost, and it's time. It's time for the seasonal switcheroo. Okay, so we've got some more text message questions. And this listener said, good fruit tree info. Well, thank you. You're so welcome. Uh, what? Physical proximity is needed for the apples and plums that aren't self-fertile. And they say, by the way, my favorite peach is the Loring. Much success near dripping. Okay, awesome. So that's so great to know. A uh, recommendation for peach variety of Loring because they're getting much success with that variety near dripping springs. So that's great, y'all. Um, check out the Loring peaches. I don't have much experience with them, so that's good to know. Um, in terms of the physical proximity needed for apples and uh, other trees that aren't self-fertile, um, if they're right next to each other, that's the best scenario. Um, if they're just near each other on the same property, that's that's fine. You know, even next door neighbors uh, would be fine. It has to do with how far bees fly. <laughs> so um, bees can fly about, I think I believe I heard they can fly like three miles and they get the pollen all over their little bee bodies and um, spread it between the flowers. And so the closer they are, the more likely you're going to have uh, pollination from the bees carrying the pollen between the trees. Um, so near each other is important. Uh, it's possible that a bee could carry pollen miles from one tree to another, but it's less likely and they're going to have all different kinds of pollen stuck all over them. So, um, you know, if they're near each other, you're going to have better odds. Okay. I usually, and, and. I usually, when I'm placing fruit trees near each other, I want to have 
at least eight feet between them, depending on how you're going to prune them. You can prune them to keep them really, really small if you wanted to. But um, uh, for the most part, most people want at least eight feet, 12 feet even better. Um, and again, you can keep, you can trim fruit trees to be really small, but usually eight to 12 feet apart is, uh, you know, kind of standard for most fruit trees. Okay, y'all. So check out luring peaches and think about um, apples and pears need partners from different varieties to pollinate each other. Um, okay, let's see what else I've got here. Here's someone who texted and said, I am building an elevated railroad tie bed, approximately three feet, three feet tall, four and a half feet wide with open bottom to the soil. Is there any limitations as to what I can plant in them? I am wanting a multi-varietal screen eight foot or so to block neighbors with bright lights. Oh, I see. Okay. Will be about 20 feet long. Oh, that's a great question. Um, no, you, you're not really limited. That's a really big bed. Um, and so multi-varietal screen, yeah, um, especially if it's 20 feet long, you've got plenty of room in there. And um, depending on where you're located, one of my favorites for screening are is the Anakawa tree. That's A-N-A-C-U-A. It's a fast-growing native tree. They're semi-evergreen um, and make a great screen. And you can trim them however you want. So if you want to keep them short, you can. They'll get taller if you're trying to block a second story on a tall house. Um, the Anakawa is a really good choice for that. So check out Anakawa's. I love Yopon Hollies for screening. They're a little slower growing, but they are very reliable. And there's different varieties. Um, Pride of Houston is the standard but I also like the weeping type. Uh, weeping Yopon Holly is a good choice. So we're about to go to commercial, and I'll be back to answer more of your questions after this break. This is Horticulture Hangover with Colleen Dieter. Call or text your lawn and garden questions to 512-836-0590. Good morning, y'all. This is Colleen Dieter on the Horticulture Hangover Show. I'm a landscape consultant at atxgardens.com, and we've got a caller, Joan. Hi, Joan. You're on the air. Uh, thank you, Colleen. Um, I have about um, 25 feet uh, length and maybe two to three feet wide area mm -hmm. that is between a contained area of Asiatic jasmine, and then it follows this strip of land, and then it's the next-door neighbor's um, area. Okay. I would like to plant something in there. There's really nothing in there now except some a few weeds, and uh, I'd like to have something 
low growing and it's uh, gets some dappled light. I think some of it would get some sun, but mostly I think shade, maybe okay. two three hours of sun. Okay. I like to have it low growing and I don't have to bother with it. Okay. Um, would you be willing to have something that you had to cut back once a year? Mm, well, okay, I I just don't want it real high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if something uh, went dormant in the winter time, would you be willing to cut off the dead parts? Yes, but I'd rather have it stay green all year long if I could. Okay. But, you know, I'm open to suggestions. Okay, one of my favorites that's evergreen... Um, and very low growing are the sedges. Uh, that's S E D G E, sedge. Um, they're little tiny grass like plants, and there's different types. I'm familiar with them. Yeah, so that would be one e- real easy choice. Um, there's not a whole lot of uh, evergreen choices for that situation. Let's go on from there then. Okay. Last week you said something about a plant that reproduces itself, I think, by tentacles, and it was it came in blue and white flowers oh. or something. Huh. I don't know if I remember. It I would your favorite. Mm, oh, I say that about a lot of plants, <laughs> Joan. But uh, yarrow, white yarrow, I think would be a nice choice to try. Um, that is one of my favorites. It blooms for a long time. And what's the name again? Yarrow, Y-A-R-R-O-W. And I recommend the white variety. It comes in different colors, but the white one is the most durable. And see, this this uh, goes out to my front yard, so I want it to look nice. Yes. Yeah, I think that you would like the yarrow. Um, it's really low growing, and it has leaves most of the year. Um, it will bloom in the spring and the flowers are taller. Uh, The flowers get about 18 inches tall. That's fine. Okay. And then it will go dormant in the summer. Um, So in the summertime, you will have to cut the dead flowers down and then um, you'll see fewer leaves. The yarrow will have fewer leaves at that time, but then they come back in the fall. Okay, well, yeah. thank you for your help, and I'm glad you're with the uh, KLBJ family. Thanks, Joan. It's great to hear from you. Thanks for your call. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Yeah, you know, the shade can be challenging. There's not a lot of evergreen plants that grow in the shade. Um, a lot of the shade-loving plants uh, have the opposite life cycle of most perennials where they go dormant in the summer uh, when the trees have their leaves because there's less light. And so those plants have evolved to take advantage of the light in the winter when the trees have lost their leaves. 
So a lot of the shade plants function that way, like yarrow. Um, yarrow can grow in the sun too, but it prefers some afternoon shade. Um, so columbines are like that. You know, a lot of people will purchase columbines at the nursery in the spring and be all excited about their columbines and they bloom and then they kind of just disappear in May, June, July, they start going dormant. And so everybody thinks that they're dead, um, but they'll come back in the fall. They just have an opposite life cycle. Um, so it can be a little bit tricky. Uh, the fall, you know, there's a lot of the, like violets and oxalis are other ones that grow in the shade and go dormant in the summer, come back in the fall and then uh, grow through the winter and bloom in the spring. So I really like those a lot. And uh, that's it for this week. Sorry to leave you hanging a couple people with text messages. But I'll see you all next week. This is Colleen Dieter with ATXGardens.com. Thanks so much.